This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet, and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you and you network. You can find that on Instagram, you and you underscore network, where you can find all the shows uh, under the you and you network. Shout out to the you and you network. You know what I'm saying? And all those podcasts that's on you and you network. Think for the you and you network. The head brothers at you and you network. You can check out the socials at you, a n d u underscore network why are your lights on they're like pull up, pull up. and mom's yelling you don't want to hear your victim story so what if what if i discriminate against you on something is that going to stop you if you're the government possibly or you're the banker go to another bank postpone it a couple years if you want to be a farmer if you want to be anything just pick your bootstraps up and forget the rest of the world and do what you need to do welcome back to the unprocessed knowledge podcast you can find this show on itunes spotify i think google play still everybody should be following me on instagram unprocessed underscore knowledge click the link tree in my bio you can access this show no matter if you have an Apple device, an Android device, access it on your laptop. All the information is right there in the link tree. Everybody, please like, subscribe, tell a friend. Won't gonna cost you anything. If you appreciate the show, drop me a comment, hit the like button. The holidays are upon us. Another year is coming to an end. I hope everybody has happy holidays and a great new year earlier in the show you heard the clip from that judge down in louisiana repeatedly referring to a black man as a negro and a roach followed by a clip courtesy of npr of them basically just interviewing a a white man saying look i don't want to hear your victim story who cares about discriminated against you so what who cares if we conspired at the bank to make sure you didn't get the loan? Who cares if we conspired and passed laws to undermine you? Who cares if we over-policed you? Who cares if we systematically destroyed you? I don't want to hear your victim story. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just keep it pushing, people. How about the answer is you just stop the racism and discrimination? Well, that's something that they not going to do. Fresh off the presses, for for some reason, Kyle Rittenhouse was invited to speak at at some right wing political conference in in Dallas, and they put his name in lights, big flashing lights, gave him a standing ovation and a hero's welcome. Politics aside, let's say you do agree that Kyle Rittenhouse had the right to defend himself. And do what he did up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, kill a cow, 
when he shot and killed those people. Why is anybody giving him a standing ovation for murder? For getting away with murder. Why is anybody giving him a standing ovation because he, he shot and two killed people? He shot and killed two people. Even if you do believe he shot and killed those people in self-defense. What's the standing ovation for? Think about that. The system of white supremacy at work, the global system. Let's go down to Barbados. Recently, Sandra Mason became Barbados first president, replacing Queen Elizabeth as head of state. It comes almost 400 years after the British colonized the island and enslaved over 380,000 people on its plantations. The queen is still head of state in 15 ex-colonies. As we turn to Barbados, which has just become the world's newest republic, at a ceremony on late Monday night, Dame Sandra Mason was sworn in as the first president of the Caribbean island. Barbados became an independent country 55 years ago, in 1966. But Queen Elizabeth remained the official head of state until now. Many other former British colonies, including Canada, Australia, and Jamaica, still have a similar arrangement with the British monarch. Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley had pushed to cut ties to the Queen, saying it was time for Barbados to break from its colonial past. The move comes as calls grow for the United Kingdom to pay slavery reparations to Barbados. Ahead of the ceremony, Barbados held a national service of thanksgiving, where Barbados Senator and Reverend John Rogers spoke. Ambassador, what continues to be the legacy of 400 years of a British uh, colonial rule? Well, you know, the legacy is still there. We are still, we are still a work in progress. Um, uh, Barbados was known as Little England. Barbados was, in fact, um, Britain's mother colony in the Caribbean. Um, you know, the Virginia colony was established in 1607. Um, Barbados from 16 from 1625 and because of the, the sugar revolution was really pioneered in Barbados and the whole system of slavery based plantation production um, was, was pioneered and perfected in, in Barbados um, the, the seminal um, slavery laws of the British Empire um, were the 1661 Barbados Slave Code which was subsequently taken to Jamaica and then from Jamaica to the Carolinas and across the, 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 um, the 13 colonies. So Barbados was a, a center of, of British power, um, economic power, political power, military power, um, cultural power. The historians tell you that around the turn of the 18th century, Barbados, little Barbados, was more important in trade to Britain than New England, um, Carolina, New York, and Pennsylvania combined. I mean, it, it sounds um, crazy in the 21st century, but back then, sugar was like, like a, a narcotic drug. And um, so Barbados developed this system of um, this, uh, the, the production of super abundant profits on the basis of the super exploitation of African labor. So that, um, 
you know, it's not going to, you don't get rid of, of the imprint of that history so easily. So we can still see the colonial era in um, land ownership patterns in Barbados. Um, there was uh, the, a landless proletariat in Barbados. Black people were deliberately kept, kept landless. Um, we can see the imprint of those years in the health profile of the current population. Barbados probably has the highest incident in the world of diabetes and, and hypertension, the product of centuries of, of living in a high-pressure um, environment on those slave plantations, which were really the world's first concentration camps, and being subjected to uh, an extremely um, deficient um, uh, diet. And then, you know, you look at the whole, the, the world's international economic and political order. Um, the, the, the reality is that formerly enslaved and colonized nations and people like those of the Caribbean, including Barbados, have been inserted in that international order in a structurally um, subordinate and exploitative manner. So many, 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 many um, remnants of those centuries of enslavement, of colonial exploitation and domination that we are still, we are still trying to undo. These European governments done put the people of these Caribbean islands through hell. And that's something they don't tell you on the travel brochure. That's something they don't advertise on TripAdvisor or Expedia when you're going down there trying to book a vacation, trying to get your all-inclusive, trying to get your, your beat resort suite. They don't tell you about the colonization. They don't tell you about the hell they put these people through. They don't tell you how they went down there systematically and economically robbed these people of trillions of dollars over the last 400 years put them through all sorts of torture all sorts of evil been sitting over top of them for the last 400 years and just what a week ago they finally replaced the queen as head of state and let the people have their country back these people are monsters man let me tell you something I know Queen Elizabeth she's old she wears church clothes. She dresses like somebody's grandma. She probably reminds you of, of an of a elementary school teacher you had back in the day. Nobody ever holds her accountable for her racism. I mean, they done ruled over these people for 400 years. And they just now giving them their country back. They just now saying, okay, I'll no longer be head of state of this place that I colonized and robbed and stole from. These people are monsters. But then when you confront them about the acts that they did, when you want them to stand accountable and be responsible for what they did and pay for what they did, they say, oh, don't give me a victim story. So what? Just keep on trucking. Let's hear from Dr. Ryan Martin, psychologist and professor at the University of Wisconsin. Talk to some of his colleagues about white anger. Connection between fear and anger, I, th I think it's legitimate. In fact, I'd say the whole sequence is legitimate, at least to some extent. And I'm sure you as a psychologist, Ryan, could you know delve into where it is and where it isn't. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people's expression of anger is very closely tied to fear. Um, that people become angry uh, often, not always, but often because they're afraid that something is happening or will happen. Um, we mentioned immigration uh, a little while ago, for example, and 
I think, and a lot of scholars agree with this too, that a lot of the anger that is expressed over immigration, um, migration, uh, whether legal or illegal, um, frankly, a lot of the racist concerns about the declining population of, of whites uh, in the Western world, this idea that whites will someday be a minority population, for example. But this is clearly driven by fear. It's, it's a fear that they will lose their position in society in one way or another. That, and that could be a number of things, that they'll lose economic power, that they'll lose political power, because now there will be somebody else who is in the majority. Um, or some of the more strident fears, I think, that, you know, if people, uh, people of color, people of other ethnicities um, are the dominant group in society, that they'll turn on white people, that they'll take out revenge. Um, you know, for what had been done against them previously, right? So you'd mentioned, Ryan, that, that African Americans, for example, have a long history, a long set of reasons for being angry. Some white people who hold to this are very afraid that those African Americans would turn and impose slavery punishment on, on whites. There's no evidence that this would happen. There's no evidence that African Americans want to do this in any way. There's no evidence that people would lose political rights or power, economic influence, um, you know, when this, this kind of demographic shift happens. Um, but the fear that it might drives this anger. The assumptions that people make about other people's motivations, I think, or what might happen in 30, 40, 50 years from now, um, you know, comes back and, and, and causes this anger, uh, I think. Um, and I've mentioned Nazi Germany a couple of times, and I think it applies there, too. All right, y'all. That clip courtesy of NPR. Let's just break down what, what was just said. That was Dr. Ryan Martin. Well, that was a question being asked to Dr. Ryan Martin by one of his colleagues talking about white anger and white fear and how how this anger comes from this fear of the country changing and the country getting less white and you have white people who feel like oh my goodness if if we are no longer the majority then the same you know subjugation in hell that we put you know black people specifically through for the last 400 years they'll turn around and do it to us they'll put us in slavery they'll discriminate against us let's just keep it real y'all that's a bunch of bs come on now Nobody's talking about putting white people in slavery. Nobody's talking about discriminating against white people. Where and how? Nobody's thinking about that. You know what we want? We want the police to stop killing us on routine traffic stops. Nobody's talking about enslaving white people. Nobody's talking about discriminating against white people. That's all just a bunch of BS. They use that I'm 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 scared to justify their anger, to justify harming you, all right? Let's think about this. Discriminate against white folks, how? All the cops is white. The entire legal system is white. The lawyers is white. The judges are white. The COs are white. The people who run the prison is white. Everybody's white. Discriminate against you, how? You think these, these, these black businesses that white people don't even go to is going to start discriminating against them? They don't go to them no way. Think about all the black businesses in your city. 
how many white folks you see go come through the soul food spot? How many white people go to your barbershop? How many white folks go to your hairdresser? How many white folks, if you're black, you probably go to an all-black church? How many white folks is there? If they did, they probably married to a black person. If 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 you go out and go clubbing, if you still in, you know, if, if that's still your thing, you probably go to the to to the black club where you live at. How and it's, how many white? If there's any white folks there, they they there because they trying to, because they got a thing for black folk. So discriminate against them how? Nobody's talking to nobody is ever plotting, planning, or conspiring to discriminate, enslave, or deprive white folks. You just don't want to be discriminated against. And these people are supposed to be college professors and have done all types of research and they still kicking a bunch of beer. Let's talk about award winning best selling author Alice Siebel. She wrote a book called Lucky. This book came out in 2002. This is a memoir. Held for its searing candor and wit, Alice Sebold reveals how her life was utterly transformed as an 18-year-old college freshman. She was brutally raped and beaten in a park near campus. What propels this chronicle of her recovery is Sebold's indomitable spirit as she struggles for understanding after telling the hard facts to anyone from her lover to a friend it changed in their eyes as her days family and friends sometimes bungled their efforts to provide comfort and support and as ultimately she triumphs managing through grit and confidence to help secure her attacker's arrest and conviction in a narrative by turns Disturbing, thrilling, and inspiring, Alice Siebold illuminates the experience of trauma victims, even as she imparts wisdom of profoundly hard one. You save yourself or you remain unsaved. So this book, this is a true book that Alice Siebold wrote about when she was a college freshman she was raped by a black man. Alice Ebo is white. Sometime, sometime later, she was walking on the street and she walked past this, this, this black gentleman who was 18, 19 years old at the time. He looked at her and gave her a smile. And she said, that's him. That's the rapist. She called the police. This man was arrested. He was charged. She testified in court. He did 17 years for rape. He was convicted in 1981. He was released in 1998. So he did all his time. So Alice Siebold's entire career is based on this novel on how she was raped, but she got justice. She found the rapist. He paid for his crime. This is the story of a sexual of a victim of sexual abuse who got justice, found her rapist. And, she, you know, she took her power back.
This black man's name is Anthony Broadwater. Well, a funny thing happened two weeks ago because of DNA evidence. Come to find out, Anthony Broadwater, who served 17 years for the rape of Alice Siebold, who was convicted on his testimony that he's definitely the one who did it, who, you know, just randomly walked past Alice Siebold on the street and smiled at her. And then she pointed the finger at him, called the cops. He was sent away for 17 years. Come to find out he didn't rape her. He didn't have nothing to do with it. It wasn't him. He wasn't there. Anthony Broadwater. He didn't get released early. The Innocence Project didn't help him out. He did all 17 years for rape. Anthony Broadwater has spent. Not only did he do the last. He do all the time for a crime he didn't do. He spent the last 40 years of his life as a convicted rapist. Anthony Broadwater is in his 60s. His name was just cleared two weeks ago. He been out of prison since 1998. He was just exonerated two weeks ago in 2021. So this gentleman who just happened to walk past Alice Seabolt on the street, not knowing her story, not knowing what happened to her. She's a stranger on the street. He just smiles at her. And he does 17 years for rape and has to spend the last 40 years as a convicted rapist. Meanwhile, Alice Seabolt goes on to be this best-selling author because her career isn't based off of I was a victim of sexual assault. Her career is a ba- is based off of I was a victim of sexual assault and I got the person that did it. Except she never did. So Anthony Broadwater, he's a victim in this. Anthony Broadwater was convicted of reckless eyeballing. He walked past a white woman on the street and smiled at her. And she accused him of rape. He went to court and everybody believed Alice Seabolt because the only evidence that they had was the testimony of Alice Seabolt that it was definitely him because they didn't have any other evidence because he didn't do it. He wasn't even there. Do you know what type of hell Anthony Broadwater's life has been since 1981? You know what type of treatment they give you in prison? Everybody knew he was in for raping a white woman. You know what them racist COs probably did to him, let alone the prisoners. And then he had to spend the last 40 years as a registered sex offender. Come on, y'all. What type of job you going to get when you have to check the box that you're a convicted felon and you did 17 years for rape? Who's going to hire you? You can't go near. You can't live near no schools. You can't go near no playground. You can't go near no juveniles because you're a registered sex offender. How are you going to maneuver in life? Alice Seabold goes on to make millions of dollars. She had, had a book. Get, she got published. Alice Seabold, they made a movie out of this. They made a movie out of this story. Is Anthony Broadwater going to get some of that money? They're going to make him. They're they going to give him a book deal. They're going to make a movie out of his story. Or are they going to say, oh, I don't want to hear your victim story, Anthony Broadwater. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just just keep on pushing. Don't cry about it. Once again, this has been the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. 
Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. Click the link tree in the bio to get access to this podcast and access to my books on Amazon. If you want to donate to the show, if you want to send me a little Christmas present donation, you can donate there. Catch you next time.